We're recording now. Right, so now so, I can tell about your uh, bionic implant. Yes. It's essentially what, what it is. Uh, or, or, or the the purpose that it's serving. I'm talking about my uh, Apple Watch. It's... I almost said iWatch. And uh, I stopped myself. And I realized, why am I stopping myself after I said it? <laughs> because iWatch is fine. And uh, the whole Apple Watch pretentious thing is probably is kind of part of its problem. Uh, the the thing about the iWatch that, that that I that I like is that you have that sort of extension uh, of to to your phone, mm-hmm. so you can actually not pick it out of your pocket and do something simple mm-hmm. very quickly. Uh, the thing that I uh, think that that uh, you can you can skip things too. I'm sort of learning how to use it in that way, right? Uh, if there's still a thing that I sort of dislike about it, it's um, sure I'll have some of that. It's some of the pretentiousness around it and some of the cost of it, mm-hmm. uh, because it really is. I mean, it's is like you said, it's a bionic implant. It really should be less noticeable than it is. I guess that's part of the point. That's why they're trying to make it into some right. sort of jewelry uh, to to make it so well. It's not all that weird for people to have stuff on their wrist, so that's where we can put this bionic implant, and it won't freak people out like it did with Google Glass. Right. But the the idea of being like, okay, I can just do like, all right, so if I, yeah, hey Siri, set a timer for fifteen minutes. That will just mm-hmm. work. So. I just thought of, you know, calling a bionic implant. And I know, like, when you're doing driving directions, it gives you different types of feedback Mm -hmm. on whether it's a left turn or a right turn. Yep. And also, I know that people are able to, like, blind people can put a sensor on their tongue, Mm -hmm. which buzzes their tongue in certain ways. And they are able to equate that to vision. And they are able to navigate the world because the camera is encoding this that buzzes on your tongue. The killer app, I think, for something like this would be to have uh, some kind of feedback on your wrist that isn't that is more bandwidth than turn left or turn right. You know, that is, you know, that is like, you know, yeah, able to communicate to you something more complex. I I agree that that's kind of the goal. Uh, I don't think this kind of device will ever do that, and the reason why is kind of multiple first of all you don't just they don't just put something on their tongue and immediately people understand left and right it takes it takes but you're you're uh, you're rewiring the plasticity in your brain to learn that all the sensation on your tongue it's amazing that the human brain can do this the human brain that the the human brain can take this input on your tongue and actually wire that into your visual cortex and turn that into uh, sight analog. And is it? Is it? It's wired into. No, it, it does get tied into the visual cortex. What is the visual cortex? Well, I, I I can't speak that. But it's the a thing, spatial. The thing it's, I it's a spatial to. recognition cortex is really what right. it is. It's, it's about a, understanding right. where you are. So it's it's, it's used in prior perception as well. Um, but you're you're repurposing an organ made for tasting things. Yeah. No. That that's true. But it's not replacing sight it's using the same thing that sight uses which is the part of your brain that analyzes spatial relationships right so it's giving information to that part of your brain now it's amazing that we can change a sensor for taste into that but it's not amazing that 
blind people are seeing again. Right, right. Because that part of their brain was always good. But it gets it gets innate, right? Because one mm-hmm. of the stories was like the one lady's breakthrough was they were in the lab and it had like a foam pool noodle or something, yeah. right? And they swung it at her. And she like ducked away from it, you know? And it's like, you know, like her body yeah. saw it. It, it. In in a way, sort of the, the point that I'm coming to is, uh, I didn't realize it was when I was going here, but I'm realizing a point that I have. <laughs> right. Uh, it speaks to how important spatial understanding spatial relationships are to our brain that if we get any input that is useful for for it then we can start using it it's almost like the brain starred for that input yeah and it figures out hey this input works oh geez this works for me let me plug that in let me plug that in right away That, that could be i mean it could be I mean, think about one of the things I hear. Think about the the need. One of the most primary needs an animal has, a locomotive and a being has. Yeah, being able to understand the world around it, being able to 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 use that information uh, as best as possible. Since we are f- relatively fast moving locomotive things, I mean, if if we were living in trees and we. You know, and we were koalas, and we moved slower, or not even koalas. What are the what are the ones in? Um... Uh, no, it is koala. Yeah, koalas, and we just moved. Sl- well, sloths, sloths, but but koalas move from eucalyptus tree mm-hmm. to eucalyptus tree, and that's all they do is eat. eat even so, it's still relatively fast. Yeah. If you were something on the scale of a plant growing, right? They haven't evolved eyes yet. Well, because they don't need it's eyes. not as necessary. Yeah, exactly. The eyes won't work on their time scale anyway. It, it will just give. It just, blurry mess of, of shit eyes is is too way too much information they just they're better using soaking that up as as energy mm-hmm. and using uh other things to perceive the world and figure out where they get other things so it's like um i mean because we do kind of feel like plants oh they use the sun well they use the sun to sort of sprout out their sensory mechanisms but their food they get from the earth. Their food they get from decay and you know of, of other things and from the, the the minerals and the other things that are around them. They get their food from right. below. The sun's the energy to make the material. Yeah, the, the sun's the, the energy to help them respirate it, it, and to help them make right. sensors. Yeah, to to explore the world. The the meat of the growth happens in the middle of the tree or in the middle of the plant and. Or sort of on the well, outer layers of the plant, yeah. and uh, it's not just from the soil, though. I mean, most of, most of their material comes from the air, right? I mean, but it's, it's carbon, right? It's yeah. still it's still solid. Mm-hmm. It's just in a gaseous compound, so it's still true. True. I was well. That ties me in. Like you know, you always hear like you dig down deep to get fossils, right. like and and it's very time laid out like you can follow the history of the earth like like i've always wondered to myself like what is that mechanism why isn't there a big hollow place in the center of the earth if if the material keeps coming up and piling on top and on top and on top and then i realized well most of this material comes from plants plants get their material from the carbon in the air so that's the mechanism that allows the new material to deposit on top it gets taken out of one place mm-hmm. Transferred to another in the air, plants turn it into cells, 
cells decompose and turn into soil, mm-hmm. lays on top of stuff, and that's that. So I, I that the kind of that carbon cycle. Well, not that's not even the carbon cycle, but just kind of that layers of. Well, that's history. why you get like you have layers of rock and layers of limestone. Limestone is like sea right. creatures. Right. Just, but, but I, whole, I, I never could that figure would, out. But but the thing is, like a lot of a lot of the world is covered in rock. But there are some places where the amount of life that was there made layers in the rock mm-hmm. that the rock couldn't compete with because the rock moves really slow. But there are layers of life that don't move that slow. So you can get layering of rocks in, on on different scales. Yeah. I just never had a. An explanation I was comfortable with that I accepted, uh-huh. like that I thought, like yes, that's a good intuitive uh, explanation of why stuff piles on top of old stuff mm-hmm. because it seems like there's that stuff needs to come from the ground anyway. But thinking of it coming from CO two and yeah, it's carbon, yeah. So it has. Know. There's another another additive source that just sort of lays on, right? And then how does the carbon get there? It comes from somewhere else, right? It comes from the animals eating in carbon and breathing it out you know it comes from that's not where most of the carbon comes from i don't think animals account for nearly enough okay but well sure but volcanoes too yes, yes. but you know and, and that outgassing carbon, is where is where all right but that yeah. so that still comes from the inside the earth so yes. you know like i used to think like where's the voids but maybe the sinkholes are the void no i'm just you know but that was the thing i was wondering about like how does yeah. this stuff keep piling on top where's yeah. it coming from and realizing that it comes from carbon to plants it comes to dead. From, yeah, there's, they're pulling in this atmosphere that we have, which is this other fluid that we live in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of life lives in the ocean, and then we live in this other fluid, and then there's all this dirt that gets dumped on us from, from that, we're, that our planet is moving into that we don't notice. And that all comes down in little layers. And it all just sort of, yeah, compacts upon each other. Some stuff stays, some stuff doesn't, some stuff decays, some stuff doesn't. Yeah. After a while, the stuff that doesn't gets left behind, that piles up. But even the stuff that decays, decays and doesn't matter. And and most of the stuff that piles up, most of the soil and rock piles up is from dead plants, right? I mean, that's... For, well, it depends on what you're, what rock you're looking sure. at. I mean, if you're looking at granite, no, well, no, no, but that came from below. That yeah. that's not a, that's not a sedimentary thing. Mm-hmm. You don't dig down through layers of granite to find previous right. fossils in granite. Granite gets pushed up, mm-hmm. so granite's not where the archaeologists are digging down and measuring, you know, carbon dating stuff. Yeah, it's in you know, either yeah, it's in lake beds, sandstone, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah. Yes. So that was a realization I had driving home from work earlier this week. Cool. And it was finally, for me, a satisfactory um, explanation of... It finally checked all the well, boxes. You I, it's not like I didn't believe the layering. Yeah, right. No, but it's... But it, I didn't it, it, like my explana- explanation. Hey, it's not, like, it's not like I don't believe in relativity. I just... There are some outstanding questions I have. Right. Uh, I completely believe in relativity. There are things, though, that I question about it. There are things that don't make sense that I don't mm-hmm. know the answer to. Right. And, you know, I may fall upon them. Uh, I, I may just not quite understand it yet enough. And other people do. I don't know. But every conception I have has that layer of, yeah, I mean, I get I get it. I understand it. I haven't quite got that that little mm. weird uh, component of it yet. It, it, it 
and it's not that it's not there. It's not that it's not easy. It's not that it's not hard to get. It's just that it's something my brain hasn't put in. T- it hasn't fit that puzzle piece in yet. And that Ruben's bruise was good. <laughs> You're saving yours over there for for I, I guess, huh? Well, I. That's kind of the point I'm getting to is that I and other concepts like that are mm-hmm. are along this line. They're sure. they're not. It's not that they're hard or easy. I would say probably it is kind of that they're hard. Um, this was PhD level mathematics 200 years ago. Mm-hmm. This is not. Uh, this is not easy concepts for anybody to get. Um, these have to be taught right. I certainly feel that uh, at least the education that we grew up in didn't teach us well mm-hmm. for these kind of things. Uh, they have to be conceptualized to the point where you can you can understand why we need to use this. Why are we doing something like using I? Why are we doing something like using E? What purpose does it serve beyond just blah, blah, blah? Does I have some other name? Uh, it can be used as J. Sometimes engineers use it as J. Because like Googling for a rational number I does not give you anything. Really? Just look for a rational unit. Um, look for... Uh... No, no, Google just doesn't know about I. Just say rational numbers. I'm sure it'll, it'll... Well, if I search for irrational numbers, there's all kinds of stuff. But when I saw that stuff... I mean... When you're talking about irrational numbers, what you're, you're talking... Or, or look, Okay, how about the look for complex numbers? Complex numbers will give you what you're talking about. Because all complex numbers are complex in relation to I. Okay. There's... There, now I see an I. Yeah. So okay. let me let me give you a little bit of an idea of of what I'm talking about. Let, let me give you a broad idea. We'll get into uh, how it works in a little bit, but let me sort of give you a broad idea of what I'm talking about. When you think about a plane, right? Okay, so here, let me read this overview real quick because I think this might help. Okay. Even though it, there's an equation, it's not too complex, I think I can get it across. It says, complex numbers allow for solutions to certain equations that have no solutions with real numbers. For example, the equation x plus 1 squared equals negative 9. Yeah, but why is it important to have that? Right? So what I'm trying to get mm-hmm. at is why it's, why why do we why are there things that we can't use real numbers for? Right? If someone said to me, "Okay, it, it it's to we use I to figure out things that we can't figure out with real numbers. Why can't we figure them out with real numbers? I don't have that answer yet. Like, okay, that's so, what I'm trying to. Teach so this you. equation, right? Because they that's go, what I'm trying to tell you. Right, right. Okay, <laughs> but I think you just talking at me about this, and then like maybe I'm trying to provide the listeners just a little more. Okay, okay. Background, go ahead, go ahead. Right? Go ahead. Go ahead. Absolutely. Okay, so um, like they say here, uh, the equation where something squared equals a negative number has no real solution since the square of a real number cannot be negative. Complex numbers provide a solution to this problem. The idea is to extend the real numbers with the imaginary unit i, where i squared equals negative 1, so that solutions to equations like the preceding can be found. In this case, the solutions are 
okay, I won't try to read that out loud. Um, okay, so that's why. But why are there equations where there's yeah. squares that have negative numbers? And I don't have the answer, so help me. Okay, great. Think about what you know about Euclidean planes, about what you learned in, in basic geometry. Most people listening are going to remember that, so let's... Think about a Cartesian plane. Think about an okay. XY graph. Okay. Okay? Mm -hmm. You have one component that goes one way, one, one component that goes you know, vertical, one component that goes horizontal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, this is how we understand how to graph things. Everyone kind of gets this, I think. There's, there, there aren't too many people listening who I imagine don't understand how to read a graph. Where you can have, you know, okay, this is moving up with time. Mm -hmm. or, or, you know, this is what this was at this point. This is what this was at this point. This is what this was at this point. Sure. That's great. Uh, an interesting thing that you can do with X and Y is you can obviously flip them around. And it's the same thing as just a mirror. Mm -hmm. Right? You can, do, you can flip that X and Y. You're just going to have a mirror image of, of, of what you're doing just from another... You know, it's 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 going to be very it's going to be translatable directly. The reason one of the reasons why is because x you treat exactly the same as you treat y. Mm -hmm. They're the same numbers. So you can just transfer them back and forth. Okay, so that being said, what happens when you're talking about something that is that uses a different type of numbers? But so what what do you mean? Okay. You have this plane here. Okay, all right. What do I mean? You're talking about something that moves in water. Okay. But now you're talking about something that moves in air. The numbers are different. How it works is different. It's it's a different situation. Uh are they directly translatable? Uh, there's a lot of little dimensions to why they're not. Mm-hmm. Um, something moving in space versus something moving in a hot metal that has P flares around it that are flaring it up at certain points so there's denser areas. How do you okay. deal with that? How do you translate between something that is, you know, the numbers are directly translatable to something that you don't have a direct translation to? You can't make both of these sides of the equation work. The prime example of this is a sort of a, a third or a, a second dimension on top of a number line or a third dimension on top of here. This is sort of twisted this way above the plane. How can, if you're on the plane, how can you measure this? Okay. So he has a piece of paper folded in a V above the y-axis where right. the, the apex of the V is pointing towards the y-axis of the graph. That's what he has. Or you could twist it this way because sure. it's the same thing. Well, all right, that's the thing about the y and the x. Well, sure, but I was just but, explaining yeah. to people who can't see what you're doing. So that's where you see that y equals something x squared, uh, because yeah, at that point you can't get to you can't cross that x axis. What does that mean? What does it mean if you're in this area? We understand how to solve equations for the polynomials, the ones that, that all they they cross at some point it crosses a zero. Mm -hmm. How do you solve things that don't cross your plane that are outside of your of just this plane that you're looking at? To put it another way, how do you solve questions that if you're on a number? Well, line, my, my my I would say add the z-axis to your plane. But the z but this stuff above you isn't quite working the same way. The mm -hmm. the example here, the reason why this is true is because of vectors versus scalars. 
when you have a vector moving in, a vector is a magnitude in a direction versus a scalar being a direction, right? So you can say a scalar thinking about just a, num a, 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 a distance on a number line is what a scalar is. Zero to 50, that's your speed. 50, mm -hmm. right? Your mass, X, whatever. Your, whatever it is that does this dimensionless, doesn't have another dimension mm -hmm. besides simply magnitude. But when you're talking about something like velocity, right? When you're talking, it has a direction in addition to a magnitude. If you're going in this velocity, this way, it's different than if you're going in this velocity, sort of moving my arm up to about 80 degrees. They're different, but they don't look different on the number line, right? If you go from zero to 50 and you have another vector that's zero to 70 they both look the same on the number line it's just one goes more than the other right but you know there's a difference okay okay so let's talk about what we can do what we can compute what we can think about if we know there's a difference but we can't measure it how do we model that what does that mean all right like i said think about some distance and we'll call it one because it's really easy to use one as a unit whatever this is it could be 50 could be 70 right. we call it one mm -hmm. you're going that distance so greg drew a one like going the positive way down right. the x-axis we'll call this point in the middle zero it's a point that isn't in the middle yet, but is on the left-hand yeah, side sure. zero. You can, if you're on this number line, you know that if you go the opposite direction, mm -hmm. in one is going to be zero. If you want to turn around and be at the same magnitude, you know that's going to be negative one. Mm -hmm. Right? Okay. So whatever you're going to do, if you want to spit, if you want to completely turn around, you know you multiply it by negative one. If this number is fifty, you simply multiply fifty by negative one, you have negative fifty. Okay. And in order to get just in order to preserve the magnitude but simply go in the opposite direction, we know it's one. All right. Great. How do we consider other possible directions the weird thing is you know no matter what direction we go in we know the magnitude we know that it's always going to be one okay so you're going to draw a line kind of at 30 to 45 degrees drawing a bunch right. of different lines but they're all off at 30 yeah, this 40 is, I drew this 60 wrong, but it's right. always going to be one because mm -hmm. you know it's going to it's going to be a circle it's going to be a semicircle right so he drew a semicircle from the radius minus one to one. Right. Of this is gonna be one. So you're showing all the radii. Sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's consider how we can get from one to negative one. What are the mathematical ways we can get from one to metal to negative one? Well, we simply know we can... Let's if say... You, if you multiply by negative 1, you inverse it. You multiply by negative 1, you inverse it. That's how you can get from 1 to negative 1. 
there is something else we can do. I mean, it's it's it seems pointless initially, but we can do it. We can start with one. And we subtract can one. Square. You can do that too, but you can multiply by one. That equals one, right? Right. And then you can multiply that by negative one, and you get negative one. So you can make it three steps. I mean, there's no reason to at this point, but you can make it into three steps. Okay. Okay? What if you introduce something on the first step and the second step that let you get to the third step, let you get to negative one? What could you introduce when... Multiplying by one and multiplying by negative one, that would get you to negative one. Well, we know that some number times itself, some square root times itself is equal to that number. Oh, okay. That's E, right? It's I. I. I is, oh, oh. So any, like the square root of four times the square root of four is equal to four. Right. So the square root of negative 1 times the square root of negative 1 multiplied times identity twice. I don't know. It's crazy. You're talking about crazy stuff, mm -hmm. but you can do this. The square root of negative 1, which doesn't, you can't figure out what that is, and the square root of negative 1 is equal to negative 1. Right. Okay. So if you... So extended this into the negative one in the square root of negative one space, you could actually describe each of these points as being a real point. This is zero in the real axis, and a negative one a square root of negative one point. You could just sort of assign these things to all have some point value. That's composite. Anything that's in this area has a composite point. This point, like this point here, the halfway point, would be uh, negative, it would be 0.5, and it would be 0.5i. It would just be using i as another axis. But they'd be, but they're weirdly separate components because you can't translate i directly into real numbers. I was following, and then you lost okay. me. Now I'm like, all right. Let me let me go back to where you were following me. So I think you're following me at this point. If you simply you take these two things that you're doing, mm -hmm. one times one, one times negative one, equals negative one. Right. You add this imaginary thing into here. This square root of negative one. You simply say, okay, what if we put that in? We know that will get us by multiplying it. To this number. Right. Okay, so the thing I'm missing is we were talking about negative one earlier as just being the inverse of one. Yes. Now we're adding this stuff to getting to this negative one number, but it's not proportionate to the inverse of our thing that we wanted. I mean Yeah, the, the that's the interesting thing, right? You're not getting to negative one. You're getting to some space out here in this other space you don't get to negative one all the way you get to some 
part in this space, if you just multiply by, if you just do this two-step thing, you get to this weird part that is sort of halfway between, it's at the zero on the number line, on the real line. In real numbers, mm-hmm. it's at zero, but it has some mm-hmm. value. It's not actually zero. It actually contains some value I. So it's not empty. It's it's mm-hmm. this weird area where you're in where you actually have a, a magnitude that's going somewhere, but it's not going anywhere in the real number line. And then you do that again, and you flip that back to one. But so you have all this area here where you have some part of the real number line and some part of the complex number line. And if you get to here, you have all the complex number line and no real number line, but you still have magnitude in something. So you're adding this new dimension. You're finding this whole new dimension here that's available simply by sticking this on. And you say, okay, all right, that's great. Why should I stick that on? Tell me why. Because it works. (laughs) Because it gives us answers. It's a great tool. Um, This is how we analyze stuff that's moving in circles. This is how we analyze, this is how, to give you an idea of of what we're talking about, if you think about a grid, uh, and you think about moving to another number on that grid, X plus Y, right? Uh, You would move someplace Y, someplace X, and now you'd have a grid that would be centered on that position. Okay. With I, you get to do something different. You get to take this, and move to some point in the complex plane, and you rotate to it. And when you rotate to it, you now have a new perspective. And you can translate now between a rotated version and a regular version. Just like that. Okay. I gives you the ability to translate things from a rotated reference frame, from a non-rotated reference frame to a rotated reference frame, and back again. And to understand the dynamics. Right. What you've never had with your with your simple XY grid. Okay. And the idea that you can do this now, um, it would be a silly idea if it didn't work. Sure. Okay. I hear what you're saying. I don't comprehend. What part don't you comprehend, if I may ask? I don't comprehend why this rotates the reference frame. I don't understand... But no, I, I mean at, at the base level. What, what was it? Was oh. there a, was there a concept that you had trouble with? Like I said, this is PhD level stuff. Ultimately, no, I understand the part. Like, like this would be silly if it didn't work. I understand that it works. Yeah, I just am not comprehending the. I was following along great on the semicircle. I was following along with the. I, I I thought I could make the leap from the one times one equals one times negative one equals negative one with some square roots, right. and I get how square root of negative one times square root of negative one equals negative one. I one don't get how high is equal on the real number line to the to one times negative one i because you're on the real number mm-hmm. line. Sure. Is equal to negative one. 
okay, I don't follow that. I don't follow... What you're so... doing is you're going from one, in this case, mm -hmm. two times I. Right. So now you have I times negative one. And now you have negative one I. Maybe I need to get away from ones. Okay, all right. So think about it. So th this gives us... I don't know if I want to go to seven or if I just want to go to X. All right. But maybe okay. I need to get away from ones. Okay, so let's let's think of, uh, of uh, 30. How about 30? Okay. Or thir seven. Let's do seven. Might make math a little bit harder, but it's, it's, if it's better for getting the concept across to you, then well, it's better. I didn't want to do two. Yeah. Seven seemed like a good number to use. Yeah, seven is good. All right. So here we're at seven. Because I'm not sure if I'm describing this right, too, so this is probably a good, uh, a, a good thing to, to, to try to do. All right, and we have negative seven here, so we know the other bound of it. Okay. So what I'm talking about is sort of moving along this sort of extra space. And as I said, you know, as, as you move along, you're, you're, you're drawing a semicircle. Because your radius, your magnitude is always going to be one, mm -hmm. right? So what you're doing is you're you're putting in. Sorry, I made this curve wrong. <laughs> if you will excuse that bad curve, you're putting in something so that at this point here, it will be equal to the square root of negative one because this times itself, right? Half of this circle is is here. Half of this circle is here. So whatever it is times itself. Okay. So will will after two operations, or at least if you swung it around, but it will, when you get to this point, you're multiplying by negative one. But anywhere in here, you're multiplying it by some sort of, some sort of component of negative okay, one. So, it's not full. All right. So, okay. so this number line you're showing me, I guess my phone was making a buzz. Um, this semicircle to the top of the number line, yeah. that is not the y-axis. This is some dimension in the x-axis or something like that yeah this is the this is the complex plane this is okay. a plane that's not the y-axis right. this doesn't work quite like the y-axis okay. right right okay i gotta pee okay so i'm gonna pee let me follow this all around to a circle because i think this might help with the analogy but you can see how it obviously goes mm -hmm. around to a circle into the negative or an egg or whatever yeah, the hell yeah. you just drew yeah <laughs> Ignore the fact that I can't draw. Understand that I'm, I'm sure you can get the concept. <laughs> Think about if you're uh, at this point, at point seven, whatever it is, the, the largest point mm -hmm. of the map, and you wanted to go somewhere on this map, right? Now you could, if you want, if you had. Oh, so okay. So let me ask a question here. Yeah. You, earlier, you were making a point about scalar versus a um, vector, or was it scalar plus or? Uh, yeah, vector, right? Yeah. So, if we were just talking scalars, would we be doing points like this, and then vectors are this? Is that uh huh? Okay. Uh huh. Vectors are all along this line. Right. So the thing is, okay. So, so scalars are. If you're looking at your normal x, x number line, and you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, the 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 gradients between there, that's your scalar. Now I'll draw a semicircle from seven to negative seven, and draw hash marks around that arc. 
those are your vector measurements. Mm -hmm. Right. It's the same magnitude. It's just not quite on that number line. But let's say you just consider, you know, forget what I was saying about mother line, number line. Let's say you're at some point and you want to get to point Z. You want to get to this point. This is the top of some mountain, right? Whatever. You want to get to this point. You only have seven units of, of east-west. You only have seven units east to do it in. Mm -hmm. But you can do it in any number of units. Well, you can't do it in any number of units because you start from this point as you lose some magnitude here you lose some magnitude here right there's some component of this but you can go in any space here you don't have to go on this number line you don't have to just walk directly back you can if you can lose magnitude in east west as you're doing it you lose you lose magnitude in north south right your your circle gets smaller and smaller as you no matter where you go, just sort of right. the circle of where you can go based on your energy gets smaller and smaller. Okay, so here let me ask another question. Mm -hmm. And it's not directly versus what you just said, but it's where my brain is right now. You're talking about the rotating the plane of reference, right? So I'm really thinking about this scalar versus vector thing I just asked about. So when you're measuring a thing which has a vector, right, and you go a unit because it has the directionality also that's what rotates the reference frame yes okay mhm mm you're 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 getting it you're right on the point so yeah so you're you're talking about moving from 7 to here but you can do it if you if you had an infant you know if you just were able to explore all the way your possibilities you'd have this sort of whole zone right it would get smaller and smaller obviously as you measure sure. but, but you have this zone of, of possibility uh you have and that's just thinking about it just thinking about something in 2d right i mean obviously 3d things would, would throw that off because it would take more energy you'd be moving in another direction you'd be moving another sort of you'd be adding another dimension to what you're talking about what we're talking about with I is essentially adding another dimension. Adding a dimension that works the same way, right? Length, width, and height all work the same way. I can go two in this direction and two in this right. direction. They're well, the same, but they're not quite the same because well, they're so not kind of what I was directly on the same was level. that the this other dimension, and I kind of asked this earlier, but it kind of poo-pooed it, so I'm not sure whether my terms are wrong. All right. But so you're measuring a vector. So, and not just a scalar. So now you, instead of just having this dimension here, and I don't want to use Y because I think Y is misleading, but you have this X prime yeah. dimension. Sure. Okay. So instead of being right on X, you're up here mm -hmm. at, you know, um, so instead of it being at the three on the clock, it's where the hour hand would be, you know, just, or just a few minutes before, right. the, a, minute, a few minutes before three. And then... That this x prime dimension, because it's a virtual, I'm making up words. Yeah. It's a virtual dimension that's equivalent to rotating your reference frame to the real x y axis or something right. like Right, because that. this point, whatever it is, has some component x and some component x prime that is not. It doesn't equal seven. 
right? Because it's mm-hmm. a little bit up on here. Right. Whatever component it is, it it's, doesn't it's equal some, seven. It, it's, it's some six x because x is your main dimension mm-hmm. plus some whatever one one over blah 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 x prime, mm-hmm. and that these two, if you were to you know make the x prime zero would right. be seven, but since you're moving on here, it has some. It has a relationship to yeah. the square root of negative one. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think I just had a breakthrough. All right. Yeah, so that goes all the way around, mm-hmm. and that turns into negative square root. It's the square root of negative one in here, and when it gets all the way around, it equals negative one. So you have exactly figured out how to do that. And you're just adding that component. Right. Now the application part, I think I still need. I'm a little foggy. The on. application part, I think, is 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 less important right now. That you get sure. what it's talking about is more important. I think you'll figure out the application. I gave you some steps. I gave you what it what it turns into. You can kind of take it from here. Let your mind think about this one because this is this is good. I think you get it. I think you're understanding. Well, I why. do. So yeah, I think I think the two key points from where I was really confused were uh, both this graph was helpful but i was thinking of north south being y for mm-hmm. way too long mm-hmm. it's hard to lose that yeah so uh, you know if you're trying to teach us again i would stress that i would try to i, I don't know how you would t- explain this what i'm calling x prime to somebody who hasn't arrived on, that, on the that's wrong, the but, hardest part it's uh, so hard to get that across how do you get across a different another... so what i would say is you know in a situation, you're measuring the move. This you're measuring a vector yeah. of something, right? And because it has a directionality to draw a clock and show it a few minutes, you know, a okay. minute okay. north okay. of three o'clock, you know, fifteen uh-huh. minutes, right? And then say, you know, in the kind of measurement we're doing, that's not a y movement, but that's a vector on x, and I think that, and then. Imagine uh, orienting your graph back so that is back on the x line, right? And that's your rotation of a frame of reference. Now, if you can provide a little more, yeah, see that that's still like it only gets you some of the way. You have to like, but you, I, but I, I what you to... can say is this 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 yeah. thing is, and then you start. Then as soon as you say this place where this is is a ratio based on the square root of negative one. I think that's an... Okay, it, cool. I mean, I, I I think it helped that I knew you enough and I knew a good enough <laughs> understanding of this to use maps because you understand maps. I'm, not sure, maps. I'm not sure the mountain... So when you started talking about the mountain, I was already burning a fuse over here, right? And it was starting to come into focus, you know? So, okay, okay. So I'm not sure the the mountain thing... I was half listening, but I was half computing something else. Okay, well, that's good. I mean, uh, it didn't matter to me that you... It just mattered to me that this was still... That that, that I was in a zone that you could mm-hmm. understand. So right. it wasn't... So you, you couldn't... Yeah. I mean, lo- I, you couldn't lose what I was talking about while you were doing your computation. Yeah, I think that... Um, that arc not being along the y-axis, but this virtual... Is virtual dimension an okay word? It, it really is, actually. I mean, okay. it, it's a it's a vec it, it's a it's what we call a vector space. It's, it's mathematical. We can't. You never get this mm-hmm. in your in your computations. It's an extraordinarily useful right. tool, but it doesn't it doesn't show up for in reality. 
because reality doesn't use that. It right. Yeah. So you know, it's a radius on a virtual dimension that works out the square root of negative one. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's I. Hold on one second here. All right, I gotta play something. <laughs> I think we need a little sound bite. Greg is smarter than you. <laughs> Do no. you play that for your teacher? <laughs> I should. <laughs> well, no, I've never had a teacher like this. <laughs> Come on, oh, teachers. God, I'm just trying to teach you something. No, I, no. If I was bored, I would have not had... Yeah. I wanted to relearn and in addition to understand better than I ever did when I was doing this crap what I was. Mm-hmm. I hope that... I mean, I, I, I clearly see it help for Jeff. I'm happy to do that. I hope it helped for, any, for anybody else who's listening. But you already said you don't care, so for any, I, I don't care anybody else who doesn't want to, who doesn't care to listen. Right. For people who do care to listen, I hope it helped. I see. Gotcha. Cool. Cool. All right. I. I. Bitches. I. Anything else? I got plenty of stuff. Is there anything else you have? Um. Uh... No, I think I'm okay. I'm trying to think what else I had. Nah, I'm good. Okay, I saw somebody that I, I, I follow. This guy, Steve, Steve Shives, he writes, he has a good channel uh, where he reviews sort of uh, po- um, the Christian apologetic literature uh, and, and talks about it. And he's really good what he does. But he, he found this link, which is uh, 31 Question for Atheists. I thought okay. we could answer these. There's, some of them are fun. Some so, are... so is this written by the this is, apologist? This is written by an apologist. Okay. This is one of the more um, willing to discuss and and and, and uh, trying to make his stuff make sense. Apologists, I would say, it still veers into areas where I uh, I feel um, I feel like he, he's a little bit too friendly for presuppositionalists. I think he has a weird anti-evolution thing but i think he's one of the more intellectual at least of oh, there's still a lot of beer in there yeah one of the more intellectual of of these apologetics and and i he's he's, he's, he's apparently asking for these earnestly and okay. here's this thing questions for this is by this guy named matt slick he says uh these questions are not meant to be showstoppers they're only for research purposes so that i might better understand atheism atheism and its adherence some questions are similar to others, while some questions are designed to elicit more thoughtful responses. I'll be adding to the list periodically. If you are an atheist and would like to respond, please copy them to an email and send them to karmstuff.yahoo.com. Uh, whichever ones you want to respond to, thank you. So, it's fucking Christian apologist sticking with Yahoo. Uh, I hey, I I have a Hotmail account, um, and I'm and I'm a crazy atheist. <laughs> um, so I, I would, so I, I think if we approach these questions honestly and just you know mm-hmm. uh and hey throw it at me give me a first question if it well let me just say if you know if if i ever do send this or someone sends this or whatever to matt slick and he ever listens to these uh i'm going to approach this as honestly as i can uh some uh, are 
some questions I think are going to get the short shrift because they do feel a little ridiculous to us. That doesn't mean that they all feel ridiculous or that we feel that you're ridiculous. It's simply um, at this at this point, some of the questions will, will feel ridiculous by by nature. Uh, but let's let's go on. Let's just probably be as earnest as possible. Mm-hmm. Question number one: How would you define atheism? Uh, okay, I would define atheism as I mean you've seen these before why don't you go first now okay so my best definition of atheism is or at least okay the the one that most atheists prefer and the one that I certainly prefer when I'm thinking about myself in, in the best terms is disbelief in God claims I mean, any disbelief in theistic claims uh, to me, an atheist is someone who does not believe in the claims of theists. Uh, there are lots of reasons why we don't believe in the claims of theists. Uh, and some of them, uh, some atheists have better reasons than others. I like to think my reasons are pretty good. Uh, I don't admit that all, I don't believe that all atheists have great reasons for not believing in, in gods. Um, is it actively saying that gods don't exist? I think that there are people who would define themselves as atheists who believe that uh i i think that a, a more general definition is people disbelieve in a god but that could be for a whole bunch of reasons that are not related to skepticism like it is for me all right and the question again was how do you define how do you define atheism i mean for me i'm gonna do the personal personal definition you know for me it is uh, you know my belief structure is based around observation and evidence and you know because i haven't mm-hmm. seen the literature on the proof of god or witnessed it myself mm-hmm. i tend to think that uh and we had this conversation a long time ago where i was calling myself an agnostic because you know there is a possibility that there is a supreme being out mm-hmm. there that uh, doesn't interact with us humans any more than setting up the laws of the universe. And I thought, well, that, that's possible. That can be out there. So maybe I'm unknowing instead of atheist, you know, non-theist. Um, you know, as, as time has gone on. That was going to make you an atheist. Or a, his, sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the theism is, is all the stuff that gets added on to simply a pure deist oh. position. Okay. So, okay. So you're really... You know, you you understand the terms a lot better than I do. Well, no, I'm uh, I'm saying it yeah. whether you agree or not. Is I don't know whether I agree. I just you know, for me it was like there could be this guy, like you know, the kid that's running the ant farm, you know, um, <laughs> who doesn't shake the ant farm up very much, he just kind of lets it go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, right? That, the good kid, uh, the, right. the good kid that's running the ant farm, not the a hole that's running the, the ant farm. The scientist that's running the million experiments that 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 we are one of. Right? You could always yeah. come up with some story. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I think there's room in my belief structure for something like that. Um, as long as he's not sticking the stick in there and poking it. Um, but, you know, then, you know, as I've matured in my evolution of my belief more, it's, you know, the kind of simplicity rules. You know, I don't want to quote Occam's razor, razor, but, you know, it's, you know, simple things tend to win out. And the universe is the universe and there's not the guy who put it all together. Seems to be what works out for me. Okay. 
Number two, do you act according to what you believe there is no God? And do you act according to what you believe in or what you don't believe in? Lack of belief. Do you act according to what you believe in or what you don't believe in? Okay, so this sounds like a question I've heard a bunch of times from religious folks, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't want to play into it. I will say, I so I believe in evidence, but I also have a strong belief in that we are a social creature. And I, I'm kind of reading into where this question's going, right? Why, why aren't yeah. I a mass murderer? If I'm not going to go to hell for it, <laughs> uh, you know, that's kind of what I'm reading into it. Okay. And because it's we, good to know, yeah. I am better off in a society where we all respect one another and we all realize that we will thrive by not having a large proportion of psychotic or psychopathic or non social creatures. Ruining it for us. I I think that uh, so the question again do do you act according to what you believe in or what you don't believe in? Uh, I I act uh, to, for most of the time. If it's if it's if the question is do do I act according to whether I believe there is no God or believe or don't believe in a God? Uh, most of the time, it doesn't play into how I act. Well, I mean the the question. I, I guess now look, I hear the question again. On face value, I act in what no, I believe. I, I, I think your answer was was right for the way I phrase it, yeah. and and I'm sort of. Well, I act in what I believe. Yeah. yeah, I don't act in accordance of my disbelief of someone else's belief. Yeah, I yeah, I, I think that that that's a that's a key component to it, right? It's like, it, for the most part, whether I consider a guy or not it doesn't come to play. When it does, uh, I I do not act as if there is a god. Uh, I do act as if, like you said, there's a society, and uh, I want to be a part of the society. I want to uh, gain the abilities I get from this from being a part of the society, and I want to uh, do what I can to sustain the society. Uh, I act in a way that that works best for that, uh, and um, that's how I feel like I always will, unless the conditions change. So it's never about that there is like as jeff was was saying it's never about that there is some thing that's better than our society uh it's more about well what can i do to make things better for the people i know and the people who who uh you know who have to exist in the society and who hopefully can benefit from it i mean oftentimes religious rules and um secular laws all support one thing and that is the betterment of the society safety things that's 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 the goal and i see the religious rules the the commandments and whatnot as a ancient way artifacts an ancient way Mm -hmm. of standing up those rules when the rule of law wasn't as prevalent you know when it was more effective to set up when it was a lot more like a Western than it is like it is today. Right. When commandments were more effective than felonies, uh-huh. then let it be commandments. Mm-hmm. When having a court of law and felonies on the books be more effective than commandments, then that should 
be the new thing. Absolutely. I agree with that 100%. So number three, do you think it is inconsistent for someone who lacks belief in God to work against God existence by attempting to show that God doesn't exist? Wait, say that again? Do you think it is inconsistent for someone who lacks belief? Do you think it is inconsistent inconsistent for atheists to argue with theists and try to show them that God doesn't exist? If we don't believe in God, why are we trying to show them that? Why do we care that people believe in God? And I think it's exactly what you said, uh, because the ways of of running a society are actually now we have better ways of doing it. Right. Uh, the reason why I would argue with people is not because they want to have these beliefs. If they want to have these beliefs, fine. I I don't care. Uh, as long as we're working towards the same goals, it doesn't matter to me. Uh, I find that a lot of the rules and that theists have are not working towards the same goals. I, I agree with that. Um, yeah, it goes with the whole commandments versus laws. And that was an, the old way that was effective. And we've discovered a new way that's much more effective. Uh, that's kind of how technology works. Mm-hmm. And That's how understanding works. Well, yeah, technology might not be the right word overall, but knowledge. It's the way knowledge works. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, so we would only argue with theists when they are working and promoting an outdated and uh, less effective way of running society. Number four, how sure are you that your atheism properly represents reality? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Well, we talk, I've talked about this, you know. it's I have to put... And Greg disagrees with this, but for me, I have to put my faith somewhere. And my faith is in that I am able to observe reality. I am able to observe reality and that the scientific method and testing and reproducibility are real. The only reason I I would disincline that statement is because I don't like the word. Uh, I, I feel the word is too easily tossed around. Um... But that's kind Cause of because it can mean a couple different things. So uh, that okay. so so that's what, so I wouldn't use it in the way that some that some Christians use it. Uh, oh, may, so yeah, maybe maybe I don't appreciate what faith means. I feel and this, may, this, this might be a question later. I, for, I forget exactly because I haven't read these in a while. But th- this might be a question later. But I, I feel that faith is is belief in things uh, that are um, that you know not to be true. Or that you know no, can't, can't be, be or that you know, yeah, th- that belief in things regardless of the fact that the evidence may, makes them. Oh, well, that's, that's never how I would have defined yeah. faith. I don't think the religious types would define faith that way. I, I don't know where they would, but that's how I would define it. And so that's why I would, you know, I did, that, that's okay, the so, reason why so, I would so let me not define, say faith. Let me define faith for me, right? Okay. For me, yeah. faith is I mean you have to put your trust in something. Yeah. Uh, and I, I put my trust in that what I can observe and that reproducible tests show mm-hmm. is reality. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm so I, the reason why I wouldn't say faith is because I don't have any evidence that that's not true. So that's why I don't have faith in it. Uh I I simply accept it. 
and and I accept it as I, I guess the better word is 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 presupposition. I, I accept it as simply the way the world works because I don't have any evidence that it's not true. Uh, if I had some evidence that it wasn't true, but I still believed it. If there was any evidence at all that it wasn't true, but I still believed See, it. Yeah, I've never, uh, I've never imagined faith being defined that way. Okay, um, I've de- I define faith like presupposing, like you know, yeah. you have to, you have to have your foundation somewhere. On that, on that uh, definition, then I would agree. Okay. All right, so uh, that was number four. Was the question: How sure are you that your atheism properly represents reality? I think we're both you know, we're pretty sure, but we're of course open to. You've said it before. If God gets on the six o'clock news and says, "Hey, I'm here, bitches," it would certainly be very good evidence. Right? It would certainly be something I couldn't dismiss mm-hmm. right away. And like I said before in in in, in the pre-show, uh, these things don't always happen right away. <laughs> Right, but they, right. so they, they happen if if the evidence is enough. So thinking about that, right, and thinking about how, like, the cat. Number, well, thinking about how like faith was. I just want to, want to defined. Put it, number five is essentially the same question: How sure are you that your atheism is correct? Just want to point out that that's oh. it's the same, basically the same question. Right. Okay. So, um, you know, the way faith is used in like the church that I grew up in, it's kind of the. It, it's a test thing too, right? It's like there's not good evidence, uh-huh. but if you're a good Catholic, you're going to believe in me anyway. It's not so much that's not con- the faith. Yeah, it's so not. It's not. It's not so much contradicting um, evidence. It's more so in the lack of evidence, you're going to commit yourself to me type thing. You know, that's kind of the Catholic faith. Mm-hmm. Is you know you're committed to this structure and you said to believe is you're doing the right thing in the lack of any other evidence mm-hmm. right where for me it is all the evidence i see points this way and i have to have my faith in that being able to see the evidence is the is reality mm-hmm. but you would probably say that the evidence does not seem to support the claims of the Catholic Church. Well, no. But their argument, I think, primarily is, in the lack of counter-evidence, believe in this. Right? Okay. All right. Yeah, so, okay, I see what you're saying. So, in in the stuff that we don't understand, believe in this. Right. And and you're kind of looking at it, I think, as, as I would kind of look at it, saying, uh, that's not the way the, the road <laughs> seems to be going. Uh, you're, you're, you seem to be going on a path, a well-explored path that never gets to the right answer. Right. Uh, this one <laughs> this one that we're going down has has a lot of... Uh, <laughs> right. it, it's always been right, <laughs> this one. Uh, it, it, it's more powerful because of that. Right. Uh, and that's our answer to... How sure are we that atheism is correct and represents reality? It's it really does work. That's how sure we are. Uh, it it works really well, and the other stuff doesn't. So unless there's some weird kind of magical world we're in, uh, this is not the right answer. Right. Okay. Number six. How would you define what truth is? Is kind of sort of along the same lines. Uh, truth is 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 what we're able to experience. Uh, what what we are inter- able to interact with, and if we cannot interact with it, then we have no idea. Yep. 
Okay. Uh, and, and so that means that whatever there is, if there is something outside of what we can interact with, uh, then we cannot have any truth about it. Truth as a concept doesn't make sense because we have no understanding of it. Right. All right. Um, why do you believe your atheism is a justifiable... I think we kind of did this one. Uh, are you a materialist or a physicalist or what? Uh, I think he's by trying to say sort of what what is your... Uh, do you believe in only physical things? Do I believe in only physical things? No, because I believe in psychology and sociology and things like that. Mm-hmm. I, uh, Those are complex systems yeah. of, of human interaction. I think he's using uh, some sort of philosophical term, so I'll try to, to give him the, 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 the most philosophical answer. From my perspective, at least, uh, I'm a structural realist. That, that's the, the philosophy that I hold to the most, the one that I feel fits my thoughts the most. And the idea is that what is real uh, is the structures, the things that we can translate from one to another, the 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 those aspects that are constants, c for example, the speed of light is a constant that we can translate around. So those things that that, that are constant are are the, the structures that we understand are are um, are how we represent reality. But uh, I don't necessarily believe that physical things are real in the sense that this glass is absolutely in front of me in every possible way of interpreting the world. Uh, there's other ways of interpreting the world that, that that say very different things than I'm holding a glass. But for all intents and purposes, I am holding a glass. It can be translated to a whole bunch of different ways of representing that. Okay. That would mean that that is why I'm a structural realist. So I don't think that physical is necessarily a term that makes much sense in that regard. I think it's really physical means something if you have our perspective, but there are lots of different okay. perspectives. Uh, number nine, do you affirm or deny that atheism, atheism is a worldview? Why or why not? It's a worldview. I don't think so because my view is is that atheism is an answer to a single question. Uh, but I, I don't define myself necessarily as an atheist unless I'm asked specifically about it. I'm more of a skeptic. I'm a skeptic about things. That's my worldview. Yeah, uh, that's a good point, right? And, yeah. and atheism arises from the skepticism. Yeah. I, my worldview doesn't have anything to do with whether there's a god or not. Um, it really doesn't play a role. It only plays a role when I'm asked the question. Uh, that's a very that's a very good way of putting it. I'm glad you. I probably don't think I would have come up with that kind of uh, answer or or stepping aside of the mm-hmm. question and seeing it for what it is. But yeah, my worldview again is observation and whatnot and. Whether there's a God or not is only arrived at because I'm skeptical about things that don't have evidence. Mm-hmm. It's just another question to be skeptical about. Just another one of the many questions we have. It doesn't. It doesn't feel all important to us. I think is is, is the thing. It, it, it certainly doesn't impact our life the, the way that uh, an evangelical Christian mm-hmm. would have that, or an evangelical atheist, which I believe exists. Yeah. I think they're pretty much more. I think they're called militant atheists, <laughs> but um, the universe just makes more sense to me. Yeah, as a natural occurring 
nat, you know, as being a natural thing and not a Lego kit. So in some sense, I guess I would affirm that atheism is a worldview for, for a small group of people, for those militant atheists, like you say, or, or evangelical, mm. evangelical atheists, but uh, not for me. Uh, and not for you. I mean, I guess it is a worldview, but it's not one that I hold. Right. I don't. I don't see the world as, as hinging on that question. I like how you said it. You know, skepticism is the yeah. worldview. Yeah. Uh, number ten. Not all atheists are agnostic to Christianity, but for those who are, or I'm sorry, why, not all atheists are antagonistic to Christianity, but for those who are, why the antagonism? Uh, the it's, it, only when it interferes with my life. If it did not interfere with my life at all, uh, I, I would not care, and I don't care. There's right. a lot of people I know who are Christian. I'm fine with them. I have no problem with them. I don't right. talk to them about God. Uh, yeah, the kind of things yeah. are like when part of their doctrine is to evangelize and convert, mm-hmm. and they are they strongly believe that Greg and I are going to hell, and they don't want us to go to hell, so they want to convert us. That's a time to be antagonistic. Um, when you they want to pass laws that are bad for society. When they don't want homosexuals or same-sex couples to be able to marry. When they don't want mixed-race couples to be able to marry. When they don't want... When they want slavery. When they don't want classes to intermingle. When they... Yeah, things that are bad for society. Yeah. Those are the times... That's I mean, when we're antagonistic. I agree. Number 11, uh, if you were at one time a believer in the Christian God, what caused you to deny his existence? I can answer this from a Jewish perspective. I can answer from a Christian perspective. Yeah. I was indoctrinated as a child. And your parents, you trust your parents to teach you the world. Mm-hmm. So you, you have to get to the point where you're starting to figure out the world for yourself. That's That's what happened to me. Uh, I, I would say, um, I don't know if I ever really believed it. I, I, I pratted on like, I maybe, maybe I did sort of believe it in a way. Uh, I guess though, I kind of always knew in the back of my mind, I was talking to myself, uh, or at least always suspected. It, it took me a while to actually care enough to, to do something about it. Yeah. I mean, I got married in the Catholic church. Mm-hmm. I didn't care enough to not, I, didn't want to upset my parents, my yeah. mom. That was the main reason, right? It, it The friction was low enough to go ahead and do it. There was no good reason not to do it. So I did it. But it doesn't... If it was 10 years later, I probably would have um, not done it. Yeah, I think if I were to have a wedding, I think I, I'm right with you. If I would have had a wedding around your time, I would have totally, even though I would have been atheist, I would have totally bought into and done what my mother wanted and had a Jewish wedding. And I think now if I were to have a wedding at this time, I would not have a Jewish wedding. Mm-hmm. That would not be the way I go. And if she doesn't like it, tough shit. Yeah. Um, I'm past the point of trying to, of, of, of caring about uh, how my parents see my religious activities. Yeah, I mean, I, I was I was indifferent enough, and and maybe part of me was thinking, well, you know, people get old, they get religious, yeah. you know, maybe I was just sitting on the fence still, is waiting for it to happen. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I hadn't critically thought about yeah. it, so maybe I was just sitting on the fence. Yeah, that, or that, you know, part of it hedging my bets. What if there's a god? I better, I better do this stuff. It sounds like a good argument until you really think about it. Yeah, that's that's the beauty of Pascal's wager. Uh, number uh, twelve. So, what caused you to deny his existence? We thought about it. That's what caused us to deny the existence of the gods. We thought about it. Um, number twelve. Well, we applied it, well, our skepticism. Well, I mean, a little more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I believe in things that have evidence and the proof of god yeah. we applied our, our worldview to it has, and, has not uh, didn't supplied a preponderance of evidence right on the money uh number 12 do you believe the world would be better off without religion no no i i, I really think that uh if the world were suddenly excised of all religion we'd we'd come up with a new one right away uh, I think that's sort of the the sort of human way to look at things is is to make everything into a story. Uh, I um I don't think the world is necessarily better off without religion. Uh, I think that some aspects of religion and and some religion in some religion when used in certain fields is bad. Yeah. Um, There's too too sweeping of a statement. Yeah. To answer um there's just too many implications to really have that answer there could be a lot of a lot of people find comfort in their organized religion um sometimes and you'd hate to take that away from some of those people hate to take that away from those people even for myself though mm-hmm. you know there's been times that I've thought like not that I like want to join a church to have that community, but you know, it's like just thought about that community, like mm-hmm. you know, and I know there's like atheist groups that get together at Starbucks yeah, yeah. and have but their I mean, community, but that doesn't seem well. That that that's your your thing is not. I guess my community is my neighbors, yeah, my neighborhood, yeah. I mean, and you, friends. That's not the community that you, that you that you desire, but you appreciate it, people some, who do desire that. Or, that type yeah, of there's community. something that yeah. there's something about it that brings a community, at least in some places, even. Though, my growing up, mm-hmm. like, my parents didn't have church friends. Yeah, I, I think it's, well, I mean, because you kind of grew up in the suburbs. I think it's it's a yeah. closer thing, right? I mean, it, when you're smushed on top of each other, I, I think that there's, um, there's something about having the sort of same belief system that helps. Uh, if you're in a neighborhood, I think it, it turns into more political stuff now. But th- there's definitely something about having the same sort of political view that mm-hmm. softens things, right? So uh, when you're yeah, I'm the liberal here on my yeah. street. <laughs> when, when 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 you're smushed in, into a into a group of people, um, it it does sort of help to go with the flow. And, and if the flow is this, this this weird thing they do, you sort of go with it. Uh, and it helps. It's a little bit of a social lubricant, and that's fine. Um, we have a lot of them, including we do a whole show about them. Yeah. Uh, it's I I you know I don't think it should go. I don't think it really should go any more than I think alcohol should go away. Right. I mean, some of it, right. Uh, it, it's it, it is what it is. So the other question, the next question, is essentially the same question: Do you believe the world will be better off without Christianity? Uh, the only point I'd make here is some there are some times. That I think, yes, in terms of there are things that Christianity has done, um, specifically Christianity, not, you know, not broadly religion. There are specific 
sects of Christianity or specific sort of times when Christianity did certain oh, things. The Crusades. Yeah, and... those kind of things, right? Um, not that ev- not that every religion doesn't have its you know sour points, or every you know field of of view doesn't have its sour points, but. Uh, there are there are things that I wish Christians hadn't done, but I don't think the world is necessarily better off without Christianity completely. Uh, number fourteen: Do you believe faith in a god or gods is a mental disorder? Um, uh, in, no, I, a... I think it could be. I, I think I mean I, I think that there are, there are people for whom it could be, right. but I don't think that for most people it is. Uh, I, I think it's just like I said, people liking stories and uh, people seeing the world in terms of stories. Uh, for for nearly all people, uh, it's not. That doesn't mean there aren't people who think they hear voices and, uh, and actually do have mental disorders and are using Christianity to to explain them. Uh, but I do think that there's not. I wouldn't go as far as mental disorder, but there is a predisposition in some humans to really attach themselves to mm-hmm. that kind of narrative. Yeah, I think being skeptical can also be a mental disorder. I mean, it, it can be blamed on a mental disorder at least, right? I mean, sure. It, it's it, just that, you know, like I don't have that... I, I kind of... Sorry. I, I, ...desire for that attachment, you know? I kind of think that uh, we all have mental disorders. Everyone... There's no baseline. I, I don't think there's a real baseline. I think we're all have different you know we all have things that we'd classify as disorder that other people would classify as disorders because they don't think like i do so um so what the heck is wrong with them i you know i i think if, if you were to go down that that lane it's a it's a it's a really weird lane uh no i don't think that faith in god or gods is can be classified as a mental disorder uh number 15 must god be known to the scientific method yes well, we already covered. I mean, I covered that, right? The 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 point yes. I'd make here is okay. You're talking about something that affects the world, and something that affects the world in such a way as to I, I don't know sustain it to, to to can change it can do all these things. Uh, something like this would leave massive footprints. This is not something that would be invisible this is something that we would be able to see it is interacting with the world on the on, on levels beyond i mean it is it is changing the fates of people who are prayed for it is bringing people back to life it is healing people who are sick it is uh, changing the lives of people right just as soon as they have faith in something they, they suddenly their lives are changed this is something we should be able to measure we should be able to totally see this every time this happens it, it, it works like this we don't see this. We don't see these footprints. We see exactly what we would expect to see if it wasn't there. That's because God only wants people that really believe in his club. That's why. If you have to get to the point where, oh, it's going to look exactly like chance because that's the way God wants it, well, then I'm going to think that it's chance. Oh, Heather told me today that the um, uh, some some kid's brain tumor shrunk because the Pope kissed her. Yeah, I... <laughs> I, I'm sure that's the reason. I'm sure Matt Slick would hate that. I, I, I don't think Matt Slick is a, is a person who very much in, in uh, uh, very much likes Catholics, um, or at least he doesn't like their uh, their their theology. Uh, that it's um, yeah, God would 
have to leave something, some evidence that would be examinable. It's it's a necessity. Otherwise, it's not there. There's Francis's first miracle right there. <laughs> That's the only way that that uh, that this makes sense is if it's either not there or if uh, if it is acting exactly like it's not there. And if it's acting exactly like it's not there, then I cannot I can consider it to be not there. Okay, number sixteen. If you answered yes to the previous question, which is yet must God be known through scientific method, how do you avoid a category mistake by requiring material evidence for an immaterial God? It's interacting with the material world. Yes. We should see the effects on the material world. I don't care what it is. I care that it interacts with us and therefore, like I said, it'll leave footprints. Yeah. It yes. doesn't matter. That it that it is immaterial. It, it, it will have to leave evidence behind. If he's interacting, there's evidence. That's number seventeen. Do you, do we have any purpose as human beings? Make more human beings. Um, spread our DNA. Um... Um, we're dust on a peak on a peck, speck of dust in a speck of dust in a speck of dust in a speck of dust were we made with purpose no no i i i, I see no, no but way our machinery exists to our, spread our the DNA. machinery yeah, that we're built up from things that that uh the desire to re- reproduce and replicate and rep and and do so in the best uh conditions possible match those conditions as best as possible uh do we as uh when does that become a purpose, though, or a meaning? Well, that that that's a that, that's a, a directive for uh, for the um, for the genetic makeup of the species to do. That is not us, right? As we as individuals don't matter for that. We as individuals are are uh, uh, are insignificant compared to that uh, that concept, which is species based, mm-hmm. right? It's based on populations, sure. not not individuals. Do we as individuals have any purpose? Uh, we have the purpose that we make for ourselves. We have the purpose of of doing what we find to be uh, that gives us the 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 most feeling that we're doing the right thing. Uh, and um, I want to stress that that's not hedonism. Uh, hedonism is 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 only bad if you are doing it in a way is that you know mess up the social fabric, but you don't care. Uh, we're doing things that are they are pleasurable to us but they're pleasurable to us because we're doing because our brains are designed to be pleasurable to get pleasure when we do social things to get pleasure when we do things that help out society uh and i say designed because i mean evolution has made them this way i don't mean that they're like that they've been tinkered with so many landmines yeah there's lots of lots of places you can end here up here but yeah it's we are we we're built out of things that, that that do things that give us chemical rewards for doing certain activities and those activities are generally they then they can be affected with all types of different chemicals too but those you know those things that feel good to us is not just seeking our own personal pleasure but seeking uh equality seeking you know seeking uh opportunity seeking that seek to make the, the people we know are happy as well as that we're happy. Okay, number 18. If we do have a purpose, can you as an atheist please explain how that purpose is determined? I think I just did. 
Do you have anything to say about that one? And if we do have a purpose? If we do have a purpose, can you as an atheist please explain how that purpose is determined? I mean, for me, it's more biological, right? It's, you know, evolution has... Well, I think it comes back to biology ultimately. Sure. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's the... But biology has made us social creatures. For me, you know, if we're going to distill down to the prime number of our purpose, it is to make our DNA live longer than my consciousness is going to live, right? It's have kids. I think there's some thoughts, uh, you know, for for someone who doesn't have kids, uh, so I don't have that same mm, right. outlook that you do. Uh, I think it's more about letting our, our thoughts or our, our feelings about how the world. Should I can work see that. Out. I mean, there's there's a knowledge base, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm I'm proud to be part of the human yeah. knowledge base. Um, it's funny. It's funny, you know, that now I'm like that. I said the DNA thing first, right? Because you know, in the there's times in the past where I probably would have, you know, you know, mankind's greatest achievement it was, you know. For how many millennia can we sustain a consistent knowledge base? You know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And I think that still is mankind's greatest achievement. I think I was looking at it more of a biological cell level. Mm-hmm. Oh, I totally Cause, understand. Because when you talk about the meaning, uh, our, the meaning of our existence, I think the biological cell level is the meaning. I think our greatest achievement is the um, our consistent knowledge base. I, I think that if you would, if you were to distill humanity... As a separate, as a separate creature from the rest of, of I don't know how well, how well you could actually do that in reality. Right. If you were to try to distill humanity, what is humanity's overriding purpose, overriding thing that that humanity? Mm-hmm. I hear what you're saying. I still I think would it's say the biological. The, I would say that the answer to that is explore. We have a. I hear what you're saying, a, but I, a directive I, in us to explore. I hear what you're saying. For me, it's still the, the procreate. Okay, like any good Mormon would. <laughs> I think that I think that, that that's the fundamental, the fundamental aspect of life is create more, mm-hmm. right? And then there, and then if you get to humanity as opposed to simply life, I would say, explore as you're creating more. Right. Explore in many different ways, not just geographically. Yeah, right. Explore everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number 19, where does morality come from? It's um, a primitive way of making humans work in a society even more primitive than your commandments. Yeah. It, it's, it's uh, you know, it, it probably goes down to uh, extraordinarily, you know, pre-language. It, it, it's it's uh, it's a chemical way that, that a brain keeps us uh, working as a society. I, I think you, you find, for the most part, people fall into uh, a general curve, a general sort of bell curve and where they fit. And there are, mm-hmm. of course, exceptions on both ends. Right. Uh, but, you know, people are mostly going to be working for a society. That's what works best. And, and morality comes from that. Morality comes from those that very primitive uh, directive that uh, that was implemented in, and is implemented by all social species, regardless of whether they're mammals or whatever, that um, certain things in society work, certain things in society don't. Mm-hmm. And we just we we happen to be the people the things that explore, so we get better and better at it because we explore it really well. 
Uh, are there moral absolutes? No. No. No, probably not. There's stuff that works to, I was well. trying to define what it means. Uh-huh. There's stuff that works really well. There's stuff that continually works. There's stuff that doesn't work. There's stuff that when you try it, it really doesn't work. Uh, because of how we are. Because of what we are. Uh, there's stuff that we thought for a long time did work and doesn't. There's stuff that we think now does work and doesn't. Uh, we're going to discover more of these as we go along. Mm-hmm. Slavery is an example. So, you know, we, we, we thought worked for a long time. And now we're really starting to understand it doesn't. Uh, having men in charge is something we thought worked for a long time. We're starting to, I mean, it hasn't really gotten through to everybody yet. We're starting to understand, no, it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. The, the same amount of work gets done ultimately. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's better to expand that to everybody because, hey, good ideas can come from anywhere. Uh, you know, we, we, do the people of a certain religion have a, have a monopoly on, on, on the way things are? No. Uh, do, to, do scientists have a monopoly on the way things work? Not necessarily. We just have really good evidence. We We really care about... <laughs> about marking down what we're doing and, mm-hmm. and figuring out the right things. We go down weird paths, wrong paths sometimes. But Speaking, uh, of, speaking of that, uh, I, Allie did an experiment last night. So she had this craft thing where she there's these little molds and these crystals and you put them in the mold mm-hmm. and you put it in water and it makes, when it first comes out, it's like a bouncy ball, like a super ball. But then they dry it out and they're more like rocks now. So she wanted to do the, I asked her, what happens if we put these back in the water? She's like, hmm. Like, maybe we should put one in hot water and one in cold water. What do you think will happen? And then, so we set up the experiment, and she kind of observed each one over half an hour, one in the hot water versus the whole cold water. And she took temperature of the water and stuff like that. And she was writing down her notebook for observations. Cool. Yeah, that that's that's how we do things in, in, in the science world. She uh, didn't quite get to the conclusion. Right. But, but she's in she's, second grade. She's, so. she's learning the, the process. She's mm-hmm. learning the steps. Uh, and that, that's how we look at things, and uh, it, it, we find it really works a lot. She did get to the conclusion that the one in the hot water got more gooey. There you go. You have something, and you've written down. You have, you have stuff that you've wrote down, and mm-hmm. so other people can take that experiment, try it, match it up, and see if it works. See if it's right. Yep. And you can try it in different conditions, and you can do all types of different things with that. It's the start of, of a beautiful understanding. Okay, number uh, 22. Do you believe there is such thing as evil? If so, what is it? Hmm. Okay. Uh, this is a weird one. This is a tough one, actually. Um, is there a such thing as evil? I'm going to... There are things that are bad for society, and I would call those evil. Potentially evil. Okay, I'm going to say uh, there is, but it, it it's different than other people might expect i i sort of think that there is there is there's chaotic and there's evil and they're different um and so i i think that there is something evil but it's not necessarily what other people would would call evil i think that evil is something evil is always going to be something that somebody else sees as good 
evil is always going to be something that somebody that that somebody with a different th- thought process will no. think is the right thing to do. There's never. Well, there's also. I mean, so evil is not going to be something that everyone agrees is the wrong thing to do. So evil is sort of is society based and is based on what a society. Well, and the way what society about sees what about the case something. where there's someone who's doing something is opportunistic for them, even though they realize it's bad for the overall, but they're going to come out ahead. I don't think that there are many people like that when they There's are, people like when that. they are, they are mostly sort of agents of chaos. As a, they're mostly sort of chaotic as a, they're not doing it because they've really thought about it and they have a plan and, and everything is supposed to, 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 to follow along with this plan that's going to work out great for them and for everybody and, and for what they believe in. They're doing it because, uh, they're they're fucking chaotic because because fuck the world fuck everybody else I don't give a shit about anybody else uh, I just care about myself that's chaos right that that's that's something that uh, that you can't predict you can't you can't follow up on the the evil comes from from an idea so so in some ways I think that, that chaos is 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 worse than evil it's more of a more of a danger. The evil, evil you you get, evil you understand. It's evil is somebody working against what you believe in, but they think it's the right thing to do. Chaos hurts more. Chaos is the stuff that you can't control, that you can't contain. Yeah, I don't define it the same way. Okay. Um, I think I'm more so. I would imagine an evil individual would be like, you know, this isn't good. You know, I'm I'm pouring mercury into the creek, but at least now I don't have to pay to get rid of the mercury. They know it's not good, <laughs> uh, but they're just in it for themselves. That, that's interesting. It's an interesting way, way to think about it. Um, in in that sense, evil is evil is not caring, and and so so. Well, they they they. In almost all cases, they know it's bad, but they did their calculus. They did they did, they did their calculus, and they said, you know, it's worth. Yeah, yeah, it's worth. So to me, is evil fucking everyone else because evil, I don't have to dispose of this properly. So to me, evil is is people who who know what they're doing is against what you're doing, and uh, uh, and they know that, and that's the reason they're doing it, not because they don't care, but because they do care. Um, okay, evil evil is evil is how we define people who do things uh, against us for the purpose of doing, it. Uh, and um, as opposed to people who just don't care that we that, that we don't like it. Um, and like I said, evil is evil isn't as bad as chaos because evil you can predict, you can understand. Even though you hate it, you understand it. Right. Uh, number twenty three. Do you believe that the God of the Old Testament is morally bad, and by what standard do you judge that he is bad? Uh, yes, the God of the Old Testament is a disgusting creature, and it, by any possible standard you can think of, I believe any standard that that makes any sense in today's society. Uh, as a Catholic, we don't spend much time in the Old Testament. We don't read all the scary, yeah. evil stuff. So I was never—I know most of it from you. So this is a creature that's jealous and proud of it. Uh, loves the smell of blood and just committing, you know, committing entire peoples to death. Um, is uh, is just absolutely bloodthirsty and and um, yeah. The Catholic Old Testament yeah. is very. Uh, very selective 
like in mass, right? Yeah. They have the first reading, which is from the Old Testament, the second reading, which is from the New Testament, and then the gospel. And then uh, but the first reading, never heard any of the bad shit, right? Yeah. It, it's just um, Adam and Eve and other nice right. stories. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just the stuff that, you know, that oh, we'll, we'll highlight this stuff you want, you want actually pay attention to this other ridiculous nonsense there's a whole there's a song of Solomon. it's a, it's a gigantic piece of porno in the bible you should read <laughs> it sometime um number 24 uh what would it take for you to believe in a in god uh evidence lots of good evidence give me some give me some evidence and give me some time that's all you need i mean I've showed myself to be malleable, to be vi- to be malleable. I think you are too. Yeah, get him on space talk with Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah, and... I mean, yeah. Answer if, a few questions. If you're asking me what it would take for me to believe in God like that, uh, I, I don't have an answer to that question. If you're asking me what it would take to also believe in God, it's it, it's simply evidence. It really is just just evidence a preponderance of the evidence over 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 a decent uh, over enough amount of time for me to consider it and, and to and to believe that there are no other options uh let's see number 25 what would constitute sufficient like the same question uh number 26 must this evidence be rationally based archaeological testable in the lab etc or what yes Testable, yes. Yeah, that's what I'm asking for. Yeah. Yeah. That's the evidence must be. Give me an interview with God on Craft Beer Radio. <laughs> that would be great. That would be a long way towards proving your case. Um yeah, the evidence must be. <clears throat> Absolutely. Without a doubt. Yes. Uh number twenty seven. Do you think that a society that is run by Christians or atheists would be safer? Why? Um, uh, I don't know the answer to that question. I think we have right now a society that's run by Christians. Uh, I don't think it's very safe. Uh, I'd like to see a society run by atheists. I don't know whether it'd be safer. It'd be an interesting test. Um, run by atheists of my ilk. Let me put it that way. Run by atheists or atheists for skeptical reasons. We don't want the militant ones. We want the ones that are going to. Well, I mean, there were other societies that have existed that yeah. were technically atheists, you know, mm-hmm. and and uh, they didn't necessarily fare too well. But I think you could you could claim that um, that uh, a lot of uh, a lot of what we laud about American society is, is the atheist parts is is the non is the secular parts. Those are the parts that seem to work really well. Um, uh, I don't know that it, I, I think the question is it, a society run by atheists but contains Christians I think would probably be better than a society run by Christians but contains atheists yeah um, if it was run by atheists uh, gay marriage would be legal in every state right now I mean if, if, let's say right? let, let, let's look I mean, this way let, what would you rather have a society created by Christians that works completely on Christian rules but is totally atheist that live in it or a society run by atheists with atheist rules that totally Christians live in it I would rather live in the second sure I mean 
I'd rather live in a society that's made by atheists because mm-hmm. I think they're going to make decisions that don't care about your religion. And so that's never going to be a problem. Science-based re- decisions? Evidence-based decisions? Yeah. Decisions that aren't about what you believe but are about what the way things work. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay. Number 28. Do you believe in free will? Free will being the ability to make choices <sighs> without coercion. Uh, that's not that's not what free will means. Well, he's saying, do you believe in the ability to make free choices without coercion? Coercion from what the mechanics of the universe? Yeah, I don't, I don't. I, <laughs> There's no coercion. Coercion. There's coupling with the mechanics of the universe. Like for that, so th- th- I I don't believe in the ability to make decisions that that aren't coupled with our with with everything that we interact with, um, because we are necessarily interacting with things all the time. Uh, do I believe it, that there's enough of that that, if, that on a small enough level we can see sort of random activity in, in human behavior? Sure. I'll go with that. I mean, for I, me, that's one of the things yeah. I struggle with the most is like predeterminism. Yeah. It's like... I think things boil down to, to ultimately chaotic processes. Uh, you know, there are simple rules, but there are chaotic, chaotic processes that occur. And I think that... Um, when you try to, you, you you can mathematically define certain ways that things should go, but uh, you you can't you can't account for certain things. You can't account for for every single variable. Um, and we now believe that that's a fundamental aspect of the universe. And so I think that if you follow that train through, then there there must be some on some level there's some intrinsic randomness involved in everything. So that would play a role in um, in some aspect of giving us yeah but you don't give us being, don't being decide to do something no no well here's that's the thing is that the the conscious part of you doesn't decide to do things the conscious part of you makes up its mind that it decided to do things but that's not the part of you that's actually making decisions um conscious part of you is the part of you that's observing the world it it's sort of it believes it, it, it's holding on to these controls and it thinks it's running the the machine but it's not it it's simply observing what it's doing and it's convinced itself it's running the machine. How many more questions do we have? We have four more questions. Okay, good. Three more questions. I'm sorry. Three more. Uh, if you believe in free will, do you have do you see any problem with defending the idea that the physical brain, which is limited and subject to the neurochemical laws of the brain, can still produce free will choices? I kind of just explained why I don't. Um, because I think that there's an inherent randomness in everything, and so ultimately I don't. You know, I see that randomness can crop up, and that can be that, that can be as that could be confused for free will very easily by something observing. Sure. Well, like, well, they said choices, right? Yeah. And there's not decisions or choices. This is the thing I like least about my belief structure mm-hmm. is not having free will. Um, I'm generally happiest when I'm not thinking about that part of it and, you know, forget that I don't have choices and, <laughs> You know, most of the time I feel like I'm making choices. <laughs> it, it, it's, 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 a, it's a comfortable illusion. It, yeah, it, it's out of everything we've talked about, every, you know, how, out of how comfortable I am with my belief structure, the thing about free will, because science seems to show that the universe happens with randomness here and there, um, doesn't allow for me to decide what I'm going to say next. I've always, except in in 99% of 
the universe, you know, probability, I'm going to finish this sentence with how I just finished. But we this don't sentence. know that for sure, um, and we don't know necessarily that, that there that there are, and it's not necessarily the case that there are 99 of you that do say it, and one percent, and then one of you that doesn't. Uh, we don't know any of that. That's sort of a, that's just well, taking that, that, that's taking it to an extreme. Yeah, but but I'm saying like. You, you you could follow along that path and sort of assume that they all do take place, but there's no reason to think that. There's no evidence for that. So, sure. Yeah. Uh, 30. Uh, this is the second to last, the penultimate question. If you affirm evolution, I think we both affirm evolution, uh, and that the universe will continue to expand forever, I don't know necessarily that that's true, but I'll, I'll take it as the question, uh, then do you think it is probable that given enough time Oh, wow. Do you think it is probable that given enough time, brains will evolve to the point of exceeding mere physical limitations and become free of the physical and temporal, and thereby become deity, in quotes, and not be restricted by space and time? If not, why not? Got sci-fi on us here. Uh, <laughs> okay. So we're going to get so smart... Not only do we do do we overcome our physical bodies, but we overcome temporal space as well. Which means, which is, I suppose, Matt Slick's definition of a god is a being that is non-physical and non-temporal, and therefore knows everything that's going to happen in time because they exist outside of it. Uh, uh, you you you've made a we're definition. We're going to go extinct away before <laughs> yeah. that. Comes. You've made a definition of a being that that just flatly doesn't make sense. I I don't know how to understand that concept. Where humans are going to be lucky if they live another six thousand years. Um, you know, I I don't necessarily buy that we're necessarily going to make ourselves extinct. I think that's a sort of an apocalyptic idea that that always occurs in in people's ideas. Uh, you know, we see people always predict apocalypses, uh, probably because we have evidence for things like that happening. We have evidence for you know floods wiping out. I was out just societies. picking out a number, but six thousand years seems or or meteors coming down, or, or suddenly you know suddenly some volcanic eruption destroys a society that we knew out of nowhere i think that that sort of we see you know we have history of that happening that's sort of tied into how we see the you, world. you know you know where this is going here's predictions going to happen is in the matrix <laughs> in when we upload we all upload our shit to the computer network then we'll be gods uh i mean we'll be gods of the computer network but we won't be gods uh i think it, but yeah. again if you're only existing in the computer network I I don't um yeah I, I don't buy us ascending to godhood in that sense so no I don't not you and I no. we don't have enough money to be gods we'll only be uh, level forty mages I don't think that given enough time brains will evolve to the point of exceeding mere physical limitations and become free of the physical and that's temporal. goofy I thinking that at some point you'll level up and yeah. become godlike. Yeah, no, I we're we're immersed in a in a spatial temporal thing of the universe and we can't survive outside of that. I don't I don't see any way that we could. I don't I don't know that there that outside of that exists. But I don't see any way Well, that... if you Okay, so think about the afterlife, right? 
in your consciousness existing there. I, I don't see. I, I've my consciousness has changed. It changes from moment to moment, from no. chemical to chemical, but from age I, to I, age. I'm imagining the question, right? I'm imagining the question, and it sounds like someone who is like, "What if you can be an angel, but still alive, or something like that?" You know, like, what if you can bridge that gap? Of I, I do not. I, I don't <laughs> see any way that that even makes sense. Versus. Not not just possible. I just don't see how that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally, last question. If you answered the previous question in the affirmative, which we didn't, uh, then aren't can you, you, can, you, can you just answer that question with a yes? What? Then aren't you saying that it is probable that some sort of God exists? Uh, okay, well, we didn't answer the question yes. If we did answer the question yes, I guess you'd... you'd You'd have us on something, right? The, the, hey, we're we're saying that something can get outside of time and space, and and that's just like your god. So therefore, we're saying that something could be your god. Uh, but we don't believe that. So, and great. If, if I became that being, I would be fucking shit up. I would leave evidence all over the place. Yeah, why wouldn't I? <laughs> I'd be dropping loads. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be leaving evidence everywhere. Yeah. Uh, so there I'd be you go. tagging those walls. <laughs> Thirty-one questions for atheists. That probably bored the fuck out of our listeners. Well, if it didn't, it didn't. It didn't bore me. Okay. Well, we're at one hour and forty-nine minutes. I think it's time to wrap. That, that sounds about like the last couple of our post shows. <laughs> so it makes perfect sense. Right. If you're listening, thank you. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, hope you. If you're not listening, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah come on man come on wasn't that awesome 